You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you joining us today. We are concluding a series called Elements. If you can believe it, this has been a nine-week series, and today is the last part of that series. We've not been talking about the periodic table of elements that you might have learned about in school. We're talking about some other elements. We're talking specifically about the fruits of the Spirit. And that when we say yes to relationship with Jesus, when we say yes and surrender our life to God, the Bible teaches us that this Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, comes to dwell inside of us. Now that's good news because the Spirit enables us to live a life that helps us follow after God, to live the way that He wants us to live. That we don't have to do it in our own strength, or our own ability. And as we've been exploring these fruits of the Spirit over the last couple of months, that's something that we're learning. That it's not striving and doing it in our own strength, our own ability, but it's doing it with the Spirit's help. That the Spirit enables us to live these fruits, to live these different things that God puts in our life. And, and really, um, Galatians 5.22 is where we've landed. We've been camped out here. We've been talking about these different fruits. And it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit and our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then last but not least, self-control. That's right. Today is the final fruit. Kind of like the song, it's the final fruit. Okay, I'll stop. I'll spare you guys on that one. But it is the final fruit. And why is that? Why is self-control of the whole list, why is it the last one? We started on the opposite end of the spectrum. We talked about love being the first one because love was kind of like, you know, the mother fruit. It is really where we start. It's the the fruit where everything else kind of grows branches from there and kind of the the basics and where we begin this journey with fruit of the spirit, but this this last one, self-control, I almost think the author Paul puts it last knowing that this is really one of the most difficult fruits of the spirit. This is a fruit, this is a skill that really takes a long time to implement and develop in our life. And honestly, even after we say yes to relationship with Jesus, even after we're following after him with all that we've got, this is a fruit that we will have to cultivate and work on the rest of our lives. Does that sound exciting? I hope you're ready for this journey. And and really, it's so difficult to do, and, and, and I think it's almost a little tricky as we talk about self-control because we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit, remember? And it's not doing this in our own ability and it almost should be Spirit-controlled instead of self-controlled. Now the good news is the Bible tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling inside of us. That's who the Holy Spirit is. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling inside of us and He enables us to do this self-control. Now some of you are like, that's great, but even the power power that raised Christ from the dead isn't enough to keep me from that Krispy Kreme donut. I don't care what kind of power you're talking about. I am weak. I cannot resist. And we all have those vices in our lives. And it reminds me specifically Years ago, I don't know if you ever watched the show The Simpsons. I believe it's still on, the longest-running show in television history. A little bit of crude humor, especially back in the day, and honestly, now it's become pretty tame amongst many of the things that we can watch on television and online. But at that time, years ago, um, if you know anything about Homer Simpson, he's someone who loves food, and specifically, the man loves some 
donuts. We were talking about Krispy Kreme, and I was wetting your, your appetite for it. But there's this one time where there's this forbidden donut, and Satan himself appears to Homer and tells him that this is a forbidden donut, and pretty much you're going to hand your soul over to me if you eat this donut. Don't eat the forbidden donut. And so the donut, of all things, is placed in the refrigerator. And one night, Homer gets up in the middle of the night, and he's hungry, goes for the refrigerator, he opens up the door, he sees the donut there, and he just says, mmm, forbidden donut. He begins to take it, and he eats it, and then Satan appears, what happens to be his neighbor, Ned Flanders. It's a long story. You might have to dig up the episode and watch it for yourself, but he can't resist. He has no self-control. He knows it's the forbidden donut. It's the forbidden fruit. It's like Adam and Eve all over again. No self-control. He can't resist, and this is really what self-control is all about. It's about having some control over ourself. It's really worded really well, right? There's no punches that are pulled here in self-control. It's able to control ourselves. I want to share a definition with you that Pastor Jack Hayford came up with this idea of what self-control is. And I think this is a really good place for us to land this idea of what self-control is. It's making a decision against yourself. Self-control is simply making a decision against yourself. Well, what does that exactly mean? What does that look like? I mean, you think about someone who has six-pack abs. They made a decision against themselves. I mean, they made a decision to go to the gym while the rest of us got in line at the buffet, right? They made a decision against themselves. Or, or you think of somebody who has a PhD. They've got a high level of education. They made a decision against themselves. They made a decision to go to the library and study while we made a decision to watch something else on television. They made a decision against themselves to get to a place that there was some ultimate reward. Now, that's pretty obvious, and it seems like, well, yeah, we, we get that equation, but sometimes that can feel kind of overwhelming. But whether it's a world-class musician or an athlete, um, someone had to make a decision against themselves. They had to make some decisions that cost them something in order to get to a place where there was pretty big reward and payoff. But at that time, it might not have seemed like it when you're faced with even those seemingly small decisions to have self-control. See, friends, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you will need to make some decisions against yourself. That even in our relationship with Jesus, even after we say yes to a relationship of following after God, surrendering our life to Him, it's going to require us to make some decisions against ourselves. Now, just like reducing that donut like Homer or maybe the Krispy Kreme or Dunkin', wherever your favorite donut is from or whatever the vice is for you, it might be challenging to make those decisions against ourselves, even in our relationship with God. But Jesus said it this way, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Do you get to the imagery of this? That Jesus, put, he paid the price for our life, paid the price for our sins, our mistakes, our failures by dying a brutal death on a cross. That was what he did. That's the cross that he bore. He, he actually physically gave his life. And he's saying, hey, if you want to follow after me, you're going to have to pick up your cross and follow after me. Basically saying, you're going to have to die yourself and you're going to have to make some pretty big decisions against yourself in this quest of following after Jesus. And I know that sounds difficult, but the good news is we're not doing this in our own strength. We're doing this with the Spirit's help. 
Now, there's a professor named Walter Mischel, and he's someone who's an Ivy League professor, really famous in, in research, and he's known as the Marshmallow Man. And before you get excited, I'm not talking about, like, the Ghostbusters Marshmallow Man. I wish I was. That would pretty, be a pretty cool illustration. But we're not talking about Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. We're talking about a guy who did some different scientific tests and studies. And you may have seen some of this before, and you may have seen some of this recreated, um, but this happened... Years ago, he began doing this test. He would take five-year-olds, he would sit them in a room, set them down at a chair at a table, and he would sit a marshmallow right in front of them. Now, as a five-year-old kid, that's a pretty big deal. And he would tell them, I'm going to leave the room, and if you can wait to eat this marshmallow for 15 minutes, well, just to be honest, for a five-year-old, that's like seven eternities. But I'm going to leave you here with this marshmallow for 15 minutes, and if you don't eat the marshmallow when I get back, I'll give you two marshmallows. Now, there was no trick. He wasn't pulling any punches. He wasn't going to you know, tease the kid. No, it was really true. That's what they would do. And so they would um, leave the room, and they'd have a camera in there recording. If you've seen some of the footage of the, some of these studies or some of the recreations of this, it's, it's pretty hilarious trying to watch your five-year-olds muster up some self-control to not eat that marshmallow that's placed in front of them. But something amazing really happened in this study, and this was done years ago, that the first group that went through this, they're, they're all adults now and actually approaching retirement. And as they've been able to study this, they found this out, that those who waited to eat the marshmallow, who waited and didn't just choose the instant gratification, but they waited the full 15 minutes and got the second marshmallow, they found out in their later years that they were typically thinner, that they were typically had more advanced degrees, that they used less drugs, that they coped better even with stress. <laughs> That's a pretty big deal and a pretty big indicator. Now, I don't recommend any of you taking your child and putting him in a room, putting in a marshmallow and be like, we're going to find out where life's going with you and which child I'm really going to bank on taking care of. You know, that's, that's not the point of it. Um, and some of you are like, wow, um, I'm really in trouble because I was the kid that would not have just ate the marshmallow and not waited. I would have snuck around the table, found the bag of marshmallows and ate every single one of those bad boys before they got back in the room. Like I wouldn't even have waited. Like you don't have to tell me I'm getting two marshmallows. I saw where you put the bag just now. Right? <laughs> like, there's no hope for me. But here, here's the good here. Here's the good thing. Here's what Professor, Professor Michelle said about all of this. He says, whether you eat the marshmallow at age five isn't your destiny. Self-control can be taught. Whew, okay, everyone take a breath for a moment because we just like thought we just doomed uh, all of these kids who ate the marshmallow to a life that was just going to be totally terrible. No, that's not the case. It's just some people are more wired to be self-controlled than others. But here's the good news for the rest of the people like me and you is that we can be taught self-control. It's something that we can learn. And even better than that, that as Christ followers who've said yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, remember the one who raised Christ from the dead living inside of us, that the Spirit of God can help us to have self-control. It's spirit-enabled. And it's not just sinful desires. And I think sometimes we go there, right? Instantly when we talk, start talking about self-control, we, we think of the things that are necessarily bad. And you now we joke about, you know, not having self-control when it comes to food and, and those sorts of things, the things that we have vices for, weakness or chocolate or whatever that is for you, coffee, you can fill in the blank. But we, many times as Christ followers, we think of self-control as simply the things that are sinful, the things that live outside of the bounds of what God desires for us. And, and now that's true, that we do need self-control in those areas. But many times it's even things that are good and things that aren't bad. It's having self-control of knowing how much to keep those in check and how much you can indulge in those because too much of a good thing can really become a bad thing. And so self-control is really both of those things. 
Now, I want to take a moment and dive into 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 24. And I think um, Paul here, the author, is going to help us out and help us understand, dig a little bit deeper, pull back the curtain just a little bit on this idea of self-control. He says this, Do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Now, if Paul was writing this today, I don't know if this would exactly work, because it would probably read, um, everyone runs the race, but everyone gets a participation trophy. Um, that's a different message for a different day, but he's, he, he's right. You know, everyone runs the race, but only one person walks away with the gold medal. Only one gets the prize. So you run that you may obtain it. Verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself would be disqualified. I love this. I love this idea and this, this imagery we get of an athlete, you know, showing self-control because let's just be honest. Yeah, athletes are people who perform at a high level or professional level. They're definitely born with a certain level of gifting and skill, right? But it requires an intense amount of self-control, making decisions against themselves to get to a professional level. Because just because you have the skill doesn't mean you don't have to put the work in. Some of these people live in a gym all of their lives. So think about people who perform at the Olympic level. I mean, they're putting like four years of work and prep, sometimes for an event that takes like under a minute. Think about the commitment and the lack of, you know, talk about making a decision against yourself. But this is something I think is a great image for us that athletes are willing to do this. Matter of fact, um, we were joking a little bit about Ben Roethlisberger last week in the message and um, if you don't know, he's the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you didn't know that, probably means you're not from here in Pittsburgh, as we're uh, a church here in the Pittsburgh area. But he is someone that, um, you know, quarterback for the Steelers, had a pretty severe injury second game of the season last year. Matter of fact, probably by most standards, would have been a career-ending injury. I mean, the guy really got hurt. Um, he tore three of the five flexor tendons in his elbow. Um, pretty painful event. Uh, and he, he did this, and, and they told him, hey, we can do nothing and your career's over, um, or, you know, we can do some surgery, but it's going to be a long road to recovery. And matter of fact, this story is highlighted right now uh, in a docu-series that just released on YouTube. They're releasing a series, I believe, every week, but the first one just dropped and it's called Bigger Than Ben and it's a story of, of him and his wife and, and them sharing their faith and the story about how all this happened and, and they even talk about you know making the decision is it, is it time to retire? Think about it. The guy's got millions of dollars. He's got a couple Super Bowls to his credit. I mean his legacy is secured. I mean pretty much at this point in his life and career no one would think ill of him and be like wow that's great go enjoy your family, enjoy your money, enjoy all the success and legacy that you've built but he makes a decision against himself and he says you know what? I'm not done yet. He makes the insane decision to get the surgery and to go through all of that time in rehab to get back to the game that he loves, feeling that he still has more to give. 
That's a pretty big decision against himself. It's a pretty big commitment. It's a pretty big example of what self-control looks like. And I think a little bit of what Paul is talking about. And I can't help but imagine what it would look like if we just even had half the intentionality of a professional athlete. If we just had half of the commitment decisions against ourselves that they make on a daily basis and what they eat and you know what they, how they exercise. And I remember even years ago watching Michael Phelps, he's the Olympian who swims and watching his eating regimen of what he had to eat every single day and pretty much watching every calorie, every carb and the crazy amount of food he ate to get the energy to be able to do what he does. What would it look like if we as Christ followers put that same level or even just a fraction of that commitment into our relationship with God? What would happen? Probably be game on, wouldn't it? It'd be pretty amazing to see that. And see, as we talk about that, and we're talking about all the commitment that it takes as an athlete and the things that they do in the natural, I know this might seem kind of crazy, but here's the truth. One of the best things that you can do for your spiritual walk with God, for your spiritual growth, one of the best decisions that you can make is to get exercise and to eat right. Whoa, pause. I just like lost everyone. We're going to like take a look at the analytics on this video and we're going to see the major drop off after that point. What are you talking about, Brian? We're talking about our relationship with God and you're saying the best thing I can do is to eat right and exercise? That's exactly what I'm saying. See, well, how, how is that connected? And here's what we've got to catch. Discipline in one area of our life produces discipline across all areas of our life. And I've learned this the hard way that if I want to have a strong relationship with God, if I want to stay strong spiritually, I have got to stay strong discipline in my exercise and how I eat. It's like a keystone habit for me. If I'm being intentional on doing that in my life and getting up early and going to exercise, being careful what I eat, and trust me, I, I, I'm a foodie. I love enjoying food, all types, and I don't, you know, I'm not on some crazy hardcore diet, but I do try to watch what I eat, and why do I do that? Because I've got to have those disciplines in my life, and living a disciplined life helps me even and live a spiritual life because now I'm going to be disciplined in spending time with God. Now, I know that might seem really kind of, maybe you've never heard that before. And maybe for you, that's kind of challenging. And I hope it is because for me, it, it really is. And it might seem like, well, those aren't really spiritual decisions. And here's what I want to help us understand today, that all decisions are spiritual. That it's not just about physical and making natural and earthly decisions that don't have an effect on our spiritual life. No, 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 see friends. God is not interested in having us just simply be Christ followers who follow after him and just punch a time card, just punch a time slot and we just show up on Sunday or watch a live stream and, and just check the box. It's not, not about that. See, if we're truly living an act of worship and a totally life of surrender to God, it's understanding that every single decision in every area of our life is spiritual. Because we're surrendering not just an attendance to church on Sunday, we're surrendering our entire lives to Him. And so when we understand that having self-control and discipline in one area of our life, and even the decisions that you make in your job, in your relationships, how you treat your children, your spouse, how you handle your finances, and even how we take care of our bodies. Because the Bible tells us that our, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We kind of got to take care of it. We've got to be good stewards of it. I know that might be challenging and hard to hear, and I'm not trying to be down on anyone. This is something that I have to remind myself all of the time. It's not something that I enjoy. Matter of fact, sometimes I just psych myself out and be like, hey, Brian, if you exercise, you can eat that pizza. I got to go there, dangle the carrot, whatever works. 
we got to understand that, that we've got to have discipline in our lives. That all these decisions are spiritual. So as we really talk about the battle for self-control, and we remind ourselves that it's not just simply about us trying harder, but it's about the Spirit of God helping us. There are a few things that we've got to talk about when it comes to self-control. The first one is this battle in our mind. That we've got to exercise self-control in our thought life, in the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we think of others, and our emotions. See, we've got to have self-control in our emotions. And sometimes, depending on how you're wired, our, our emotions can get the best of us and they can lead us down a really, really messed up path. But we've got to have self-control there. And in our self-talk, and the way that we talk about ourselves, and the conversation that goes in our mind that no one else is privy to, unless you kind of talk out loud, and maybe you do that, I, I don't know. But there's the self-talk that goes on in our mind and, and just that the Bible tells us that we've got to be of sound mind and sober judgment, but that only happens when we exercise self-control in our mind. The next one is the external self-control. And now this is not just in our mind, but this is with our body. And matter of fact, the Bible has a lot to say about how we treat our body. And the Bible has a lot to say about how we treat our body sexually. That the things that we do with our body, that God created sex, that it's a good gift, that it's not something dirty or taboo that we can't talk about in church. It's just something that the Bible encourages us like anything. Even if it's a good gift from God, we've got to exercise discipline and self-control. And the Bible teaches us over and over in so many different ways that we've got to have self-control in our mind. And we've got to have self-control in our body. We've got to do both of these things. And as we talk about this, and maybe this is a challenging message for you, and I, I kind of hope that it is because if I'm just being real, this is a really challenging message for me. And, and I know when we talk about this, here's what we've got to understand, is that true self-control is a gift from God. It's produced through us by the Holy Spirit. Until we own that is received from outside of ourselves, rather from within, the effort we give to control ourselves will be our praise rather than to God. See, we can't produce this kind of self-control on our own. We're forever going to look like Homer Simpson standing at the refrigerator in the middle of the night choosing to eat the forbidden donut. See, we've got to have some self-control, but that's not going to come from just mustering enough strength. If I could, if I could just try hard enough, if I could have the willpower, no, it's got to be about the Holy Spirit doing this for us. We see this again, um, Professor Michelle, he says this, this is what he said. The children who succeeded turn their backs on the marshmallow. They push it away. They pretend it's something non-edible, like a piece of wood, or, or, you know, they invent a song and sing it so they can be distracted instead of staring down the marshmallow. They transform it into something less than a throbbing pull on them. If you change how you think about it, its impact on what you feel and do changes. And now, that's a really great start to self-control, to being distracted or looking away or, or, you know, using some other method to be distracted from those things that would really pull to us or, or tempt us. Because, look, every single one of us are going to have vices. We're all going to have things that tempt us. That's never going to go away. Even when we say yes to relationship with Jesus, the pull of sin is always going to be there. The temptation, we're always going to face it. But instead of seeing it as something negative, we can see it as another opportunity to bring God glory by saying, God, I, I choose you. I choose following over you, following you and surrendering my life to you over this thing that is pulling me. See, we need the Spirit's help. We can't do it in our own strength and our own ability. This is true for all of the fruits of the Spirit and especially true in self-control. The key 
to self-control is not inward, it's upward. Ready for that one more time? The key to self-control is not looking inward, it's looking upward. It's saying, I, I don't have this. I can't do this in my own ability. I need your strength. I need you to help me, teach me, show me, lead me through this. Holy Spirit, help me to overcome this. It's not doing in our own strength, in our own ability. I really believe what we said at the beginning that, you know, it's not just about self-control, but it's spirit control or even Christ control. It's saying, God, that I love you so much in the way that I live my life. I want to follow the example that you set for me, Jesus. See, self-control is not a gift we receive passively, but actively. We are, we are not the source, but we are intimately involved. We open the gift and then we live it. And honestly, the best example I can think of is how Jesus lived when he was here on the earth. I mean, think about it for a moment. Jesus is the Son of God, endowed with crazy powers. I mean, the guy's healing people. He's walking on water. I mean, he can do some pretty amazing stuff. Multiplying food, all kinds of, raising people from the dead. I mean, this guy really pretty powerful, right? And he does something unthinkable. He lays all of that power down, becomes human, and decides to become a sacrifice for our mistakes, our sins, gets beat, betrayed by his followers, spit on, whipped, nailed to a cross, I mean, just absolutely treated so terrible. But he exercised some incredible self-control. Talk about someone making some decisions against themselves. I mean, I don't know if I were in that position, if I would do it. If I had all that kind of power and someone's starting to spit on me, I might zap the lips right off their face, right? Right? Or you just be like, do you know who my dad is? That's it. I'm calling my dad. Tell him to pick me up and get me out of here. I'm done with this. No, but he decided to stay through, made decisions against himself, exercised incredible self-control. Why? For the love that he had for you. For the love that he had for me. He knew that ultimately making that decision against himself, there would be some benefit, some reward on the other side of that, so much greater that you and I could have relationship with him, that we could live this life to the fullest, that we could live in eternity with him someday. See, that's the truth about making decisions against ourselves and self-control, is that ultimately we're faced with a tough decision that we have to make against ourselves. but even submitting and surrendering in those small decisions, the small prices that we pay now, the reward will be so much greater on the other side. And that's true whether we're talking about spiritual things or even earthly things here now. That when we make a decision against ourselves, we practice the self-control and we surrender those things, the reward on the other side is so much greater. It's just like when we make a decision for Christ. We're making a decision against ourselves. We're saying, God, I can't do this in my own strength and own ability, but I'm surrendering my life to you. And that's a pretty big decision that we're making against ourselves to surrender our life to Him, but the reward on the other side is so much greater, friends. To know freedom that we can only experience in a relationship with Jesus that only comes by surrendering our life to Him. So how can we get practical with this? What are some things that we can do and put in place to begin to live this in our life? The first one is this. Start by getting disciplined in one area of your life. That's right. Just pick one. Start small. We don't have to like change the world here and throw everything out and be like, Brian preached a great message on self-control. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to go exercise every single day. I'm going to be bench pressing 300 pounds by the end of the week. No, just start with one area. 
Maybe for you, it is physical. Maybe that's a great place to start of exercising and eating right. Maybe for you, it's getting disciplined in your, in your schedule, in your calendar, being better time management. Maybe for you, it's setting your alarm clock earlier and getting up earlier and spending time with God or spend some time reading, whatever that looks like. Get disciplined in some area of your life. Just start there and begin the journey of becoming disciplined, exercising, self-control, making decisions, against yourself. Some of you were like, whoa, I was with you until you said that setting of the alarm thing earlier. Are you crazy? I know. That might be one of the greatest decisions we can make against ourselves. But we've got to start small and understand when we're disciplined in one area of our life, it'll filter through to the other areas, including our relationship with Jesus. The next one is this. Get an accountability partner. Now, for some of us, this exercising self-control, and we understand that the Spirit of God enables us to have this self-control, but we've got to put the work and the effort in, and that might require us to get somebody else to come alongside of us in this journey, someone who's going to hold us accountable in a loving way. We don't need a drill sergeant to beat us down and tell us how terrible we are. Some of us are great like myself at doing that already on our own. We don't need someone to do that, but we do need someone to lovingly spur us on, to hold our feet to the fire, say, here's the thing that you're wanting to do and accomplish and, and get this in control in your life, but you need somebody who's going to hold you accountable and say, I'm cheering for you. I'm in your corner. I believe in you. You can do this. Let's put some things practically in place to help you to achieve that. Whatever that goal is, whatever that thing is that you need discipline in your life, one of the greatest things we can do is simply to find someone to help hold us accountable. Maybe for you, that looks like getting involved in a small group here at Treeline as they kick off this fall. Or maybe for you, you need to take that a step further. You need to get involved with a group like Celebrate Recovery or another organization or ministry that may really help you overcome some addiction in your life. Friends, it doesn't matter what it is. We as Christ followers can come alongside of each other and do this for one another. So maybe for you, that's your step, is to get someone to help hold you accountable. The last one is this is to stop looking inward and start looking upward. Friends, we can't do it in our own strength. What does that look like practically? Friends, we've got to spend time with Jesus. If we have any chance of really cultivating self-control in our life, of really being able to overcome and deal with that battle of the mind and our body and the spiritual things and even the decisions that we have to make here right now, we've got to spend time with Jesus. We've got to spend time with Him. We've got to find a routine that works on a regular basis, whether that's getting up early and spending time with Him or before you go to bed or during a lunch break or, or maybe cutting some Netflix out or saying, you know, I'm not going to do social media this day. Whatever it looks like, you're going to have to make some decisions against yourself in order to spend time with Jesus because this is not going to come from the inside. It's only going to come from spending time with Jesus. Friends, I want to encourage you today. I know this might feel a little bit heavy as we talk about this and this idea of self-control, but you've got to know this. There's a heavenly father who loves you, who believes in you, who's cheering you on, who feels the best about you. Matter of fact, the Bible even talks about God singing songs of deliverance over us, that God is for us, not against us. And you don't have to beat yourself up and think, I'm just never going to be able to overcome this. It's just, I guess it's just who I am. It's just a cross that I'll have to bear. It's just something that I'll have to deal with. And, and while it might always be a temptation, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit can help you to exercise that self-control, to make decisions against yourself, to live a life of freedom and get to that side of that reward that will be so much greater than anything you have to give up. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you.
God, I thank you as we're wrapping up this series on fruits of the Spirit. God, I thank you that we don't have to do this in our own strength and our own ability. That it's not about us just trying harder or trying to do good or, or figuring out in ourselves how we can do it. God, while we do have a part to play, I pray that we would be reminded that it is only by your Spirit that we can overcome. And God, that we could live in that space of knowing that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that brought him out of that grave three days after he died, that brutal death is the same power that dwells inside of us to enable us to live these fruits, these gifts that you have given us. But God, I pray that we would not stop by just simply unwrapping them, that we would open them and that we would choose to live them, to take action. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that we are able to exercise this self-control. And I just pray, whatever it is, whatever area, God, whatever area someone just feels, even that tug of the Spirit in their life right now, maybe it's in their marriage with their time management or with their physical body, whatever it is, God, I pray that they would take the steps necessary, spending time with you, getting an accountability partner, creating discipline in even one area of their life to make some step towards cultivating this fruit of the Spirit of self-control. God, I thank you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Friends, we're so excited and thank you so much for joining us. I know this has been a really great series. If you've missed any of these fruits of the Spirit over the last nine weeks, I know a lot of people have been traveling and doing things. I really encourage you to go back and take a listen or take a watch and, and get caught up because I feel like there's so many great things, so many things that we can cultivate in our life as Christ followers. We're so excited as we continue through the summer and now launching in the fall and school starting up and we're working on some things and believe it or not, Treeline's second birthday is coming up and we've got some plans to celebrate that with everyone. But we want to say thank you for being with us today and we'll catch you again really soon. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.